Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermood. I went up to Robinson's at the weekend to catch up with Ruth Mead from Red Mai to talk about their lockdown. And I talk about the Irish Sea, what it was like to navigate and skipper the boats around the island when I speak to ex-skipper from the Messeron fleet, Norman Lees. Well, finally, uh, it's been a bit of drier weather. Kerry, you can feel it underfoot when you're walking in the fields, which is a good sign. Uh, As we heard from Philip Hampton uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was very difficult to get all the farm work done, but uh, maybe a chance now. Yeah, better late than never. Normally we do get a spell in February, a nice fortnight normally in the teens, but it is uh, touching nearly into March now, so it's uh, very, very welcomed. There is a few hedge cutters pottering about down our way, but uh, like they were saying, the damage that they would make in the fields and then the restoration of it cost the earth, so they're having to wait for the dry spell. Yeah, and uh, of course, um, for yourselves uh, on your farm, you'll be uh, plenty of lambing. Uh, How has that been going? I mean, the weather... hasn't been too cold has it no it hasn't been too cold it's been mild enough and uh, they have been getting on really really well the grass is still coming it's very green around the countryside it never did get that well certainly not burnt is it (laughs) (laughs) no so they've been doing well and they're up and running now like bumbies yeah and what about carving have you heard uh, from many of the farmers uh, how the calves have come along because the isle of man is unique isn't it? it hasn't got that many farms uh, it's not a massive place but we've got so many different breeds we have indeed we've got lots of different breeds and uh, some of the native ones are still very popular the Aberdeen Angus and the Hereford uh, making up the base cows around the suckle herds in particular and um, calving seems to be going well for the few that have got going it's still early enough most will calve in April time when the weather's a bit more favorable and they can get them outside as soon as they're born to avoid the bugs and and build up of any diseases in the sheds but uh, yeah there's still the problem with them um, running out of corn and and straw after last year's really bad harvest so uh, yeah they're tentative to try and get them out if they can yeah and th- that is a worry isn't it uh, you mentioned about the straw um there was there was a bit of a shortage of straw and of course with the weather that's been now um you've got the feeling that uh, some of the animals will have to stay indoors a little bit longer than maybe they would be with the with the clocks going back soon as well well this is or it forward. yeah the anticipation of getting them out uh, with the land being still very wet it's a, a little while off yet but um the farmers are resilient people aren't they they'll get through it like they do every other year but the seasons are definitely changing and that has to be budgeted into many cash flows now going forward it is but um some diversification and people making the most of uh, the produce obviously we've heard of the 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 rebranded stores opening on the isle of man um but some of the local producers uh, are i don't know hopefully taking advantage of it Kiri. absolutely they're digging in where they can to get their manx local produce to the shelves and robinson's up at the top of balapadic there have been supporting local producers so this saturday i went along to catch up with ruth mead from red Mai to see how her lockdown sales have been going it's absolutely fantastic and we're really really made up that robinson's have been so supportive in getting manx lockdown more readily available um, that's one thing we've heard for a long time is, um, you know, we don't know where to get it. We don't know yeah, who's yeah. got it um, and, or they don't want to pre-order because 
sometimes it's a last minute decision to come and get a lovely joint for Sunday lunch mm -hmm. so here it is you can drop in seven days a week pick it up whenever it suits you it's perfect it really is so how did this all come about because I know that you're an avid locked and keeper you do all sorts of great things out at Red Mai but this in particular so we were chatting with um, Robinsons on the chilies and all the other things that we do as well um, and you know we, we had a chat about how the Lockton could work for Robinsons so so we came up with a plan and we've been um, supplying them regularly now for four months oh, so brilliant. every week we we drop down a selection of cuts and we try and vary it a little bit as well. And I see you've got the cuts here on display today. You've got half legs and shoulders and, and underneath we've got some sausages and burgers. Yes, the Maguez. Um, so Stuart is the master of flavour in our house <laughs> and he has been itching to do something um, and, and create. That's where his passion lies. So he came up with the plan for the Maguez sausages and I have to say I'm really, really taken with them. The Lockton has got a lovely strong flavour as well so it really, really comes through and, and the Maguez it is a North African dish that traditionally uses mutton. So it is absolutely perfect for the Lockton. And as you just said there, mutton. Now, Lockton is traditionally an older or slower raised animal, isn't it? So how do you come about organising your year with these at home? <laughs> well, it takes a long time, like you say. So um, it's never, never really eaten as lamb. It just doesn't grow quick enough. Um, and that's part of the beauty and the flavour. It's just such a slow developing breed. So most of ours are usually around two years old before they're ready. Um, sometimes we get hoggets sneaking in at 18 months old, but two years they become mutton. So nearly all of ours are mutton when they, they're ready. And it does look really, really lovely. It's got that dark, rich colouring with, with the fat over the top of it. Now, people don't particularly like fat, so the Lockton is generally a leaner breed? It is, yeah. It's a, a leaner, darker meat. People say it's um, closer to venison than the lamb that you might be used to because we see a lot of lamb over here and in the UK. It tends to be predominantly lamb, um, but the mutton, it does have a different flavour. So even if you're not keen on lamb, give mutton a go. That's right, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? And this collaboration, obviously you said four months now, are people coming up to you now as Red Mai or commenting on your Facebook or like, oh, we've tried it, we like it? Yes, so we've got um, we've got the Maguez sausages in the Manx menu and we've had loads of lovely feedback from that and loads of lovely comments on our posts for it. So, you know... That must be quite special for you as a farmer. Yes, and do you know what? We're, we're in a really privileged position to see all of our work from the very, very start to the very, very end of production. And, you know, and then to get the feedback that, like, you know, our Lockton yeah. Yeah. Um, has been thoroughly enjoyed, which is, is absolutely fabulous. And that said, now Ruth, now this has taken off really quite well. How are you going to get on with supply? So we are a small farm, as most people know, um, but we are looking to get other breeders involved. So we really, really, really want to see Manx Lockton grow in numbers. And for the Lockton, a really good way, you know, would be to see lots of smaller breeders taking up the Lockton. And that would help protect the breed, because if you have one or two very, very large farms, it's it leaves them very exposed whereas if you've got 10 or 20 breeders of 30 or 40 ewes then the breed is much better protected and fundamentally 
you know, we want to see the Lockton thrive. And that said, it is a, an outlet for, for the breed now, isn't it? It is. So if anybody's struggling with finding outlets for Lockton, then, you know, we are resurrecting the, um, the breeders group on Ireland. So we're just in the process of doing that. And then hopefully we can all share knowledge and share contacts. So... You know, we can just see everybody do really well. Um, and so. that's a really nice feeling, isn't it? The coming together, the collaboration of our great rare breed. Yes, it is. And that's, and fundamentally, that's why I started keeping Lockton. It was because it's a rare breed native to the island. And having never had sheep before, it, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they are... They, they look after themselves. They're very smart sheep, if you can get smart sheep. <laughs> I don't know. They are. They're a hardy they breed, aren't they? And they, um, and they also, uh, they lamb easily. So being a novice, having a breed that was going to almost look after me was really <laughs> important and useful. Oh, well, this is, and at Red Mai, you've also got your eggs and your chilies and everything else going on, but you've got some open days coming up. We have, and they sold out in record time. So it is really, really good that, you know, people are on enjoying what we do. Um, we are open for lambing, so you can come, you can meet the Lockton, you can, you know, we can talk about all of the things that we look for in the sheep. The visitors that came in October, you never know, might get to see their sheep that they picked lamb because oh they're my. all numbered so <laughs> they can follow up on the progress of oh their girl. And actually, last year we did have a family who picked a sheep in October and they came in April and their sheep lambed in front of oh them. Oh my word, which I don't, special! <laughs> I don't know how you can even plan that. It's better than a lottery win, I think. <laughs> it really, um, really is. Yeah, and that was absolutely brilliant. And that helps with, like, you know, people seeing the connection with the life cycles and seasons and and understanding where our farming year starts you know it is, it is. and it's that that food production isn't it as well you know how it gets from farm to fork ultimately yeah so you know the lockton it is a long thing our decisions now we're deciding um you know what we think we're going to be able to do in 2026 so oh, wow. i know <laughs> so so we can't move quickly with a slow growing breed and 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 it's a bit of a catch-22 you've got to know the supports there yeah, yeah um but then you can't and how has local support been it's been fabulous yeah yeah there's a lot of people really enjoying it and, do you know, if there's cuts or things that you think you'd like to see, talk yeah. to Robinsons, talk to us. You know, we, yeah. we want to make sure people are getting what they want, really. And how can they reach you, Ruth, just on that note? So we've got a Facebook page and an Instagram page, uh, Red My. And if, if you wanted to contact us directly, then redmy.iom at gmail.com. Um, drop us a message. And if there's anything you want to see, you know, we, we're here to supply you with what what you'd like to eat really is it, isn't it and obviously by the shelves here now it, it is going down well it is yes there's there's not a huge amount left but there are there, we've got some sausages we've got a nice boned and rolled shoulder and then we've got some lovely legs as well lovely half legs um get up and get a try get up, isn't yeah, it yes. <laughs> they do look really really delicious and it's great to see as a producer myself Manx locked in on the shelves in yeah. here no we're, we're absolutely delighted and thank you very much to Robinson's you know yeah. for stocking it and you know Andrea's Meats they're doing our butchery for us and they've been super helpful and you know they're working really well with us to to make sure everything arrives to Robinson's in best condition yeah. 
No? Well, good luck anyway, Ruth. It's great to see it all. Really appreciate it. Thank you. There we go. That was the ever cheery Ruth Mead from Red Mai with the wonderful locks in on the shelves at Robinson's. Yes, and uh, it, it's great to see. You know, we're, we're lucky enough. Uh, and if you've got produce or, uh, you know, something that's well worthy of uh, putting on the countryside programme, we'll pop along and, uh, you know, have a chat about more about the, the origins and how you got into it, really, and how the, the public perceive it, in a way, with the, with the local brand. It is great local support, like Ruth said, there for a, a rare breed. The Manx Lockton has been around for a long, long time. They always say the Vikings left them behind. It's a great story behind it all, but so passionate. And looking for other Manx Lockton breeders to join the new breeders group that they've got going again now. But uh, ever the optimist, and they're doing a great job out there at Red Mai. They are. And uh, speaking of uh, sheep, there'll be all sorts of animals and things happening uh, uh, with the Young Farmers concert, which is just around the corner, Kerry, the 7th, 8th and 9th of March. Uh, there will be the odd ticket left, I think. Oh, there will indeed. Uh, some people buy a few too many, so if, you, if you're short of some, have a look on the Young Farmers website or the Welcome Centre there down at Sea Terminal. But a great couple of three nights, isn't it? Uh, they all try their best to, to be the winning, winning club. But uh, what a variety we have in the young people to get to that stage, them bright lights. and Oh, God, I was always so nervous. <sighs> Take it in your stride. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, we've heard a lot about uh, the difficulties of sailing the Irish Sea uh, from one side of the island to whichever destination we're going. But there isn't just the Alaman steam packet boats that are en route. There's many fishing boats and particularly the freight boats, uh, which particularly go into Ramsey and Douglas here in the Isle of Man. Well, Meseron have been established in the north of the Isle of Man in Ramsey Harbour for quite a few years now, and I spoke to Norman Lease, who was one of the skippers of the Meseron boats in the past, to find out how difficult it was to navigate the Irish Sea. The Irish Sea can be a, a tough old place in the wintertime. It, it can be as bad as anywhere. Um, seas might not be as big as what you get in the ocean, but they can get short, steep fellas that, uh, and and of course you've got strong tides, which make things can make the sea a lot worse. A tide going back into the wind, you get a really short, steep, quite violent sea, and of course you've also got in places shallow water, relatively shallow water, and shallow water makes for a bigger sea as well makes for a more broken sea. So you had to know the, the North Irish Sea and you had to know your tides, your weather, and work it accordingly. Do they teach you that when you're taking your mates and your uh, master's exams? No. Or is it more up to yourselves or talking to people with experience that you're working with that have well, that sailed the seas for many years? One of the tick one when you did your tickets, you did oceanography and meteorology that was one of the papers so you did you know you did do a lot with the weather and a little bit on oceanography but most of the the, the knowledge from conditions in the Irish Sea was purely from experience and my um, time in the Ben boats particularly um, I sailed with like, like the fellows like John Dan and Jackie Ha 
who'd always been in the IRC and they knew the way around and they knew all the... He listened to what they had to say, learned a lot from John Dan, an excellent seaman. Very, very rarely did John Dan ever stop for weather, very rarely. And the Ben boats weren't that big, but he got around, you know, 52 weeks of the year in the worst of conditions. Very rarely ever stopped. You listen to what they did and you remember what they did in certain conditions. And that's all goes in. Same when I was a fisherman. The, the, the boys knew, the skippers knew, Irish sea conditions. So uh, over the years, you, you, you know, you absorb all that knowledge and then you use it yourself. Where was the most difficult bit to sail around the banks, the coast? It depended on the on the on the on the sea conditions really, um, but getting out of Morecambe Bay in a westerly gale could be pretty challenging. I mean, these these boats wouldn't have bow thrusters or nothing, did they? Oh no, well the the bow thrusters were no use to you at sea. They they were what you used for manoeuvring, but we didn't need bow thrusters. You know, uh, they, we didn't have the windage like the the big ferries had, and they need the bow thrust because of the windage to help them swing them to turn the ships in in an enclosed dock. We never had that problem. I'll ask you this question. Were you ever scared that uh, the ship, you might lose it? Oh, no, no. We had a few hairy moments. I mean, we did one time, we come out one time, I think it was in the Silver River, and we had um, we had a big deck cargo, and she did shift some of it. It was timber. Part of the deck cargo was, was timber, and it came on a, a southerly gale south southwest and it was a big big lump big sea and she shifted some of it and pack of timber was about four or five ton a piece and that shift of cargo gave her a list so we had to go out with the knives because we had them lashed with we wrongly lashed them with um ratchet tensioners we should have used the bottle screws and the chains um but we didn't we use the tensioners, and they were new ones. And what happens to new tensioners? They stretch. It shifted, and it was on its way over the side. And I give the ship a list, which means that if she's rolling, the next one could take it even further. Is there any way you can compensate? Well, yeah, just go out and cut the lashings and let it go. You couldn't do it with ballast or nothing. No, 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 no. Let it go. Right. Let it go. Um, that's what we did. Boys come out with the big knives. I, I just turned it, put a stern to the sea. The boys went out, <laughs> let them go. <laughs> but then I always remember it, the, the timber was for um, an outfit in Ramsey called Ferguson Harvey. And little Eddie Brew come down and said, Norman, where, where's me timber? Don't see it. I said, oh, well, we got any binoculars with you, Eddie? What for? I said, well, the timber's about 10 miles southeast of Mackled Head somewhere. <laughs> He wasn't very pleased. <laughs> but all in all, you could, you could get out then and, and back in, in in most conditions then, Norman, yeah? I've seen us in the Silver River go out and come back when the Ben McCree was, didn't move. Uh, pretty saucy. We went out, we, we crossed, we loaded, came back. But see, their problems, I mean, the Ben McCree could handle anything at sea. There's nothing in the Irish Sea that she couldn't handle, nothing at all. Where the big ferries' uh, problem is, is manoeuvring them 
in an enclosed space like in Douglas Harbour or in Haitian. That's their problem. But there was, unfortunately, a loss of one of the Mezron boats, though, the, the, the Solby River, yeah. back in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, that was November, November the 23rd, 85, when, um, through a, a sequence of events, when the ship was at sea, that... Um, you weren't on it that day, though, were you? Oh, no, I wouldn't have done things the way they'd been done that day. But there again, I had the advantage of a lot of years' experience in the North Irish Sea, and I had that advantage that the master on her at the time didn't have. So, a muck spreader, was it? Muck spreader took off. Um, it had been put in thwart ships, that means across the ship. It's not how I would do things. You always put them fore and aft and secure them that way um, and they're not going to take off. If you get roly-poly, if they're on wheels and they're across the ship, they'll take off. If, you're, if they're in a, in a hold, there's nothing you can do because you can't get into the hold to do anything. You can't get down while it's at sea, you know? Not on that ship, you couldn't. No. You start opening the hatch covers up in, in, a, in heavy sea, you're going to get sea going in as well. But retired now from it, um, was that a, a big decision in its time? It was. Um, I worked an extra year on. I was 66 when I retired, just coming up to 66. I would have preferred, I was going to work on until I was 70 because I enjoyed the job. But the company had been taken over by a German company whose policy was that everybody had to retire at 65. So I retired under duress, the right word. The senior partner that was from the company that owned us, he wanted me to re retire immediately. I didn't want to, so we we had a ex frank exchange of views. When you finished, then I mean, I we, were you standing on the quayside, thinking, I, wishing you were back out there? I missed it at first. I missed the, the camaraderie. My good lady Jean, she'd managed the company with me. She was the financial controller, and we jointly managed the company. She was a a, a tire of strength to me in running that company because. She was quite firm. If you if you were if we're going to buy something, for example, a fork truck or a wagon or a, whatever it was, to get money from Jean, you needed a, a royal warrant and a letter from the Pope before she'd even consider it. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like the whole of the the shipping industry like that, from the discipline, from from the boats, strict discipline. Uh, almost like the Navy, I suppose, Norman, the big uh, ships, from right. every yeah. part of it, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a way of life. It's not just a job, because you don't go home at 5 o'clock. Shipping is going 24 hours a day. So even with Mezeron, I mean, uh, um, we used to start, sometimes if the weather was going to be bad later on in the day, we'd want, if we were bringing a ship in in the morning, the dockers, a lot of them were farmers' sons. I say to them, I need you in at six o'clock, boys, because we need to turn around on this morning's tide. They were there. They'd do the ship. I'd be there with them at six o'clock in the morning. In the, in the afternoon, then, they'd be back on the land working. And they, they were all bloody good workers. We were like a little family at Mezeron, and it was, we had a, I had a great, a great team. I couldn't have wished for a better team of people, both in the office, 
and on, on the ships and on the shore side. They were just a great crowd and they, they all pulled with me. They pulled out when I needed them to. And I was very, very fortunate to have such a good gang of men around me and women. Norman Lease telling me about uh, the trials and tribulations and the difficulties of sailing the freight boats, the Meseron boats, uh, from various ports around the UK and Ireland, uh, back and forth to the Isle of Man. Some great stories there. Anything else uh, happening in the next few weeks, Kiri, we got? We've got the Young Farmers concert coming up and uh, the farmers will be getting busy for turning out the livestock and and crop planting. I assume some of the ploughs and cultivators will be going out your way as soon as this dry spell has been. Yes, and uh, we'll be trying to get a hold of somebody who's uh, a cereal grower on the Isle of Man to just get a little bit uh, of a different look on the farming here on the island. But that's it for this week's Countryside. Don't forget, if you've missed any of the programmes or want to listen again to them, go to manxradio.com. The Listen Again feature or the featured podcasts for Countryside. That's all you need to step in, plus many other programmes as well. You can leave a message for Kiri Kermode or myself, Simon Clark, here at Manx Radio, 682600, or send us an email, countryside at manxradio.com. That's it for this week, though. We're back next week with more. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.